You know, I, I love it when these kids, you know, they come in, they're kicking sick tracks off of an iPad. I mean, I'll hear things that 18-year-olds are sending me that they're doing that destroy the tracks I was making when I was 18. What's going on, community? This is Jansen. And this is Matt. So we hope you're having a great day today. We have awesome lucky number episode 13. Uh, this is featuring Pete Kipley and Patrick Dodd. Uh, they run a label called Reaction Worship. Pretty awesome. And super just insightful as to all the ins and outs of the music business. Matt, how do, how do you know these guys? How did you get acquainted with them? Yeah, so I met um, Patrick Dodd through a mutual friend through Phil Wickham. And honestly, once I met Patrick, I'm like, how in the world had I never met this guy before? Because yeah. first of all, he and I are like the same person. We're both from San Diego. Oh, wow. We're both pastor's kids, okay. um, both worship leaders, but we're both all, also both like business entrepreneurs. He runs his own business um, and is involved in all sorts of stuff. Gotcha. And so it's kind of crazy. I've actually never met Patrick. But yeah, we're like, like cross pass on the trolley. Right. We are definitely like cut from the same same cloth same cloth yeah and then pete kipley pete is just like an incredible music producer he's been around for for a while and has produced some amazing music i think he's produced most of phil wickham's music yeah some pretty big names um yeah phil wickham he's done stuff with mercy me yeah i think yeah i can only imagine oh yeah that's like the number one christian slang song totally of all time yep um it's funny because i actually was just seeing a movie with my wife and we saw a preview for there's a movie coming out about that song about the how it was written yeah wow um and we saw the preview at amc downtown chicago that's awesome but so pete is like an incredible music producer and just the more i've gotten to know these guys i'm like wow just they're (laughs) share the same heart yeah their heart for ministry like i feel like we're just cut from the same cloth and so this interview is i think really insightful and they're doing some really cool stuff well cool well i'm i'm excited to you know to yep. hear what they have to say and just dive into this and i'm sure they are too so let's go ahead and do that now well hey pete and patrick thanks for joining the loop community podcast it's good to have you here hey, yeah thanks for having us where are you guys uh, calling in from I'm in Cardiff-by-the-Sea, California, just north of San Diego, Encinitas area. That's Patrick talking, by the way. Pete, where are you at? I'm in Franklin-by-the-Pond, Tennessee. (laughs) No, no, I I wish I was there with you, Patrick, on a surfboard. Yeah. Yeah. Out here in lovely rolling hills of Franklin. Honestly, I would say that compared to where I'm living in the cold Chicago, you guys are both kind of living in paradise. I love, (laughs) I mean, I'm I'm originally from Southern California, so I, I know that one. But Franklin, come on. I mean, come on. That's also like paradise, I feel like. Oh, it is. You can't complain. But when it's time to go to dinner, I think you've kind of got the edge. Yeah. (laughs) At least for now. Okay. I think you're right on that one, actually, for sure. But those are both places I love. And you guys, I mean, so for the community, for all you guys who are listening, these guys are awesome. And they have a huge role in uh, 
just worship music. And Patrick Dodd is uh, he is a business owner, entrepreneur. He does songwriting and producing. And Pete Kipley has worked with songwriters like Phil Wickham, uh, uh, Mercy Me, right? Bart Millard, or yes. You're, you're one of the first persons that's ever gotten it right, I think. <laughs> so yeah, Pete's worked with you know Phil Wickham, Mercy Me, producing albums, makes amazing music. And uh, and then these guys are also, they've recently started a record label. Is that what you guys would call it? Is it a record label? Yeah. Can All you, intents and purposes. Yeah. Patrick, can you tell us just a little bit about um, what you guys have started? Yeah, so... Uh, Pete and I actually met when he lived out here several years ago. A handful of friends were coming through town. They knew Pete. They knew me. We were all together, hung out. And then we we had visions of starting a label then. And we actually did start a very small thing that made a, a significant impact in the lives of a very, very, very few people, and which was a blast to start on the track of working together. And about a year ago, a little over a year ago, there was a it was a very clear passion on Pete's heart for these these songs that had started coming through his desk. You know, as as you can imagine, as a producer, you hear a lot of songs and you hear a lot of good ones and you hear a lot of bad ones. And there was a, a handful of special songs that had kind of been on his radar. So we we started the conversation about what what would it look like, what could it look like. To actually take these songs that are so incredibly special and do something. And who's who's sending you these songs? Like, where are they coming from? Are these just uh, like a random worship songwriter just emailing you and being like, "Hey, check out this song I wrote." Well, I, I'm sure Pete, Pete can speak a little more to this. But I, and when I say listening to songs, you you hear songs that you're working on, songs that bands in the in your kind of niche are producing and making. And then and stuff that's just outside of your realm. So you hear right. a lot, but I'll let Pete talk about how the songs developed. Yeah, I think I think for me, I mean, I, that's the whole part of the story is how you come across these kids or how they come across you. I mean, sometimes it's a worship leader that um, that's just you know they like a record you've done, and so they find you somehow and and uh, you know ask they send a track or a song and, and feel that way. And sometimes it's a, you know, recommendation like, "Hey, you should you should check out this church or, or do this." Um, yeah, I had one guy, and there's there's an amazing worship writer who lives in Indiana, and uh, it was my Sweetwater rep um, that called me. I thought he was trying to I don't know get rid of speakers or something, but um, <laughs> he said, "Hey, the the uh, the worship leader at our church is just writing, just I think amazing things. Can I put you guys in touch?" and and it all kind of started with him, actually, a fantastic uh, worship leader, producer, track guy. And, and, you know, to me, it was like, man, you know, I think the way that music has changed, like everything else, um, and, you know, it's we're on kind of a level playing field, really, with with everybody now that we can, you know, all it takes is that song to find its way through. Um, I mean, we've seen, you know, it happen with Chance the Rapper, you know, we've seen it you know, songs that break through um, that didn't need the huge giant um, label. And, you know, to me, I've always had the, the best results with um, with people that were already great, you know, that were already writing great music and, and you just make great a little bit greater, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's, that's kind of what we're looking for is just the ways to take what's already there and turn that volume knob up a little bit and just make it to where more people can hear it and, and uh, and more people will be 
um, compelled to play, maybe use those songs in their worship set, you know? Yeah, right. And, yeah. I love that. Just that I, th- I do think there are a ton of songs out there that people just that are good songs that maybe just don't have people haven't heard because no one has get put in like a you know gust of wind behind it to like help even just give it a chance to record it to right. maybe even like just polish you know maybe it's kind of a diamond in the rough and it just needs polished a little and edited and I think it's cool that you guys are helping you know give a voice to these other songwriters that maybe aren't signed to a major record label or a part of a you know, a massive church that's doing their own stuff or. Well, you know, it's, it's not that, yeah, that they couldn't be signed to, to a major label. I think, you know, the way that I'm looking at worship music and the way that I've seen, um, you know, I guess starting with Wickham, um, you know, I, I signed Wickham, Bart and I, Bart Millard and I actually signed him, I don't know, 10 or 12 years ago, uh, just based off of songs that he had, you know, written on a guitar and was singing at church, you know, that whole kind of thing. And, and, you know, a lot of people said, you know, you'll never, because of his voice, because of the characteristic and the tonality of his voice, you're not going to have any success at radio. And uh, to me, it was like, I, I could care less. I love the tonality of his voice. I love his voice, you know. Yeah. And um, and you know what? It didn't happen overnight, but he, he did such a great job of continuing to write really great and useful songs for the church, um, in addition to everything else that he writes. That, that finally he did have that one breakthrough um, with This Is Amazing Grace. And I think that's what kind of my... I've never heard that song. <laughs> <laughs> I heard there's a This Is Amazing Grace patch for reason now or something. This Is Amazing Grace lead, I don't know. But, I, you know, I felt like, you know, when, when we got in the room and recorded that, and, you know, a whole lot of credit um, has to go to his drum player um, who, who just, you know, came up with that, just that well, the whole tempo scheme and the the sickness of that actual drum part. Um, but everything else kind of fell on top of it. And it, it, it kind of, you know, broke a lot of the rules of what you're supposed to do on a worship song. You're not supposed to have these hot synths and you're not supposed to, you know, have this tempo. And I think that, um, I think what happened is, is that people respond to it because maybe they do want those kind of things. And I think that there are just some world-class music. You can go to church in Oklahoma and San Diego in some little small town in Idaho, um, there are people that can play, you know, and they, they want to play parts, right. you know, and I, I always kind of crack up, you know, whenever, whenever I'm driving, come up to a stop sign, I'll look over and there'll be somebody in their minivan that's just singing a pink song at the top of her lungs. And it's like, you know what? I think, I think people want to sing this at church, you know? And so, I mean, it's right. kind of not, not to, in any way be better um but just to maybe push in a different direction musically where you have guys like the guys at upper room that um golly i mean they they're just so forward thinking musically and with the way they use ableton and the way that um they use the pedals and, and the sonics um you know that these kids they they, they just want to play yeah you know and, and you know, I think there are time and place for you know a you know it's a really nice easy song. Yeah. Um, and then a time and place for you know some that you know people just want to ah, I want to sing that song. You know. Yeah. And, yeah. I, I love that. I love that you guys just that you guys are looking for those kind of you know giving a voice to those kind of uh, that new music that new sound and that's what we're about too at Loop Community just like 
empowering like wor- local worship leaders because there's there's worship leaders all over the world who are do- doing songs in different styles and genres and in different creative ways and we're trying to give a voice to to that to like what is like the local sound church and so tell us a little bit about upper room music like first of all like who is upper room music how'd you guys find them uh about you know and then we'll talk about their new project yeah well you know i'll back up just a little bit you know when when came time to to think about doing a label again in this in this kind of new day and age can i pause you there for a second again because why because you've you've already started a record label right yeah, we, you know, Bart and I started one, and, and this one started for very similar motivations. You know, back then there were, um, you know, the record business is, it's a business, and it's and it's tough. It's always very difficult to mix, you know, uh, faith and money. Yeah. Um, nearly impossible. It's like oil and water, and what ends up happening is a lot of people get hurt, and, yeah. you know, like, man, you know, this is something I really felt like, you know, God was telling me to do with my life, and... Now nobody, you know, really responds to my music, and I'm dropped, and I'm broke, and got to yeah. go wait tables or whatever this and that. But you know, Bart and those guys found a way to do things different way back in the day. Um, you know, where where they made it just more equitable for everybody in the band. So yeah, Bart, you know, he wrote that song. I can only imagine um, it's the biggest song in Christian music history by double. Um, it um, the most downloaded song. It's still in the top 10 on iTunes 17 years later. Um, but what he did was he split that publishing across the whole band so that, you know, it, it was just a different way of doing things than, than how some people were doing it. And we, we came across bands like uh, they were called Bliss at the Time, but became the Afters who were friends of ours in Dallas. And, you know, we just kind of wanted to start a label basically because we wanted to make sure that they got taken care of. <laughs> You know, from the standpoint that where Mercy Me and all those guys were happy and still are, there were just a lot of guys in bands that weren't. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it made sense to keep that, you know, keep that music going, and we signed we signed them, and and uh, and then of course uh, Phil came after that, which was you know to me just outside of my wife and four beautiful children. You know, it's one of the greatest gifts I've ever received. You know, I just I love his friendship and and his talent and honored to be a part of what he does but you know it, it, i think it came time you know 10 years later to kind of start something back up not not for the, not totally to protect um anybody from the music business um but to protect the art because you know that's that's a thing it's we don't if we want to work on it we don't really want it to change you know we don't want to sign you and then bring in you know a bunch of writers to write your music for you and that's the thing with upper room i didn't write a single word on any of those songs, you know, and they're, they're just great. They're fresh and there's like, they have pop to it and super singable. And, you know, uh, it was actually a friend of mine that turned me on to them. And, and, uh, so I went to Dallas to do something else and, and I went and visited their church just kind of, you know, like, like you visit churches and, and, you know, I want to be nice and encouraging. And, um, I had no idea what I was walking into and there was just, you know, on that stage, there was just so much joy and, uh, you know, they had, nobody had, it wasn't like a performance because nobody knew that, well, nobody knows who I am anyway, but they, nobody knew that somebody was coming <laughs> to, to listen. You know what I'm saying? It was just like, wow, I want to be a part of this. And they really got together and, and started woodshedding on songs. And, and uh, I think they put a good group of songs there uh, together for us to have our first release of them. Yeah. So are they your first artist? They are. 
they are not the first that we signed, but the first that we put out. You know, they yeah. they've definitely they've got a neat thing happening in Dallas. And to me, you know, it's a, it's a very millennial church, yep. um, which I love because I've got four millennials that live in my house, and I'm not one. But <laughs> I, I want to um, I want to learn how to communicate with them. You know, I, I want to see music in the church grow. And, and to do that, um, we have to learn how to speak to the kids that are millennials because they speak in a way different language than we do. Yeah. Right. Oh man. that <laughs> This is so good. You're like saying so many things that are like blowing my mind right now. I keep thinking like, I keep having so many thoughts of like, oh, all right, I need to ask him about that. I need to ask him about that. So first of all, Center of Your Love is an awesome album. If you guys listening to this podcast have not heard it yet, go to, it's on Spotify or iTunes um, if you search Center of Your Love by Upper Room Music, um, you can check it out. We're going to play a clip of it here. But tell us a little bit about the songwriting process. I'm curious, you know, with these, you know, there's five songs on the album. Were you guys involved, Patrick and Pete, were you guys involved in the songwriting pr- process at all? Or were those basically done when you started recording them? Yeah, those those were done. Starting with w- one song, You Satisfy, um, which was written by just a this beautiful young lady who I just love so much. Her name is Alyssa. And that, that was the one that, that got me. It's like, oh my goodness, you know, I, I could really see a lot of people singing. It's so useful and and it's so great. And then, um, you know, that they had they've got quite a few leaders that are there at that church. And I mean, to come down to five songs was, you know, a bit of a struggle because there were so many songs that that you want to cut. But definitely, you know, uh, Center of Your Love was one that got me right off the bat. I think almost everything that, that they've written did. But th- these are songs that they're very intentional about having songwriter camps there, just there within the church. They they uh, do a really great job of serving um, their leaders and their musicians. You've got these um, musicians that come in and, and really give of their time. Um, you know, maybe on a Wednesday night, they're getting there early in the morning. Basically, most of them just for like a donut and some coffee. And we need to take care of these kids and appreciate them for what they are giving, you know, not only their time, but of their talent. And I, I love the way Upper Room is doing that and honoring their kids. And it makes, I think it makes them want to be even even better. But yeah, to go back to your original question, those you know, they, they wrote those all themselves. Self, which is quite frankly that's the way I want it you know I, I want I want to hear what's coming out of a church or, or what's coming out of a leader I think any writing that I do is I mean very sparse in comparison to what's you know what's already there yeah well it's it's awesome it's a really amazing album and uh, I've listened to it probably 10 times and I think you guys definitely did capture I mean I've never heard them live I've never gone to their church but you know just listening to it I'm like oh my gosh like the the melodies and the sound is like very, very fresh, very millennial, as you'd say. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The sonics of it are incredible. And, and, you know, I, I get to brag on P a little bit here. He, he draws out the best in people. I got to be around at the tracking and it is so fun to watch. And on top of that, the upper room band, they are all so humble and so fun and so teachable. Yeah. Like they just want to be the best that they can be. I kind of get chills thinking about, you know, there's a handful of 
guys that are in the band and a set of brothers that are just so special. Uh, I'm like really thankful to have been around that tracking them. They just have, they have a, they're vibrant and they are joyful and it's the greatest gift. And I think that translates yeah. in, the, in the songs. I do too. It definitely does. And and their their MD, you know, he's, he's a young guy. His name is Oscar. Um, Patrick, have you ever seen him without a smile on his face? No. I mean, just, I mean, I, I he could be audited by the IRS and he'd have a smile <laughs> on his face. But creatively speaking, the way that, like all of those vocal samples, which you know are you know, really hot in today's like LA pop music, the you know under that kind of that indie reverb scene. Um, man, he's that's the stuff that they listen to, and you know all of those he's kicked all of the arpeggiated. This is so impossible too. Those all the arpeggiated sounds are sounds that he's kicking live. He's actually performing. So it's not like okay, average church worship band, get in the room. This is gonna be a nightmare. Uh, and then, you know, go in and play and then you take it back to Christian music zone here and, you know, redo everything um, with them. Everything was captured. It was just a matter of, you know, going through and, and seeing, you know, which tape we wanted on this, which tape we wanted on that. And it's very refreshing, you know, as opposed to kind of like the chop shop way yep. of, of making music, you know, that frustrates me sometimes. <laughs> How was this recorded? Was any of it like, was a live studio? Where did you guys record it? Patrick? Yeah, well, uh, the good majority of it was recorded at Ranchland Studio, which is an amazing facility in Cisco, Texas, uh, just west of Dallas, about two hours. And on that front, th those pieces of being at Ranchland, everyone gets to stay in the building. So it's really a, a, a special communal. You're there to get work done, and it, it's a state-of-the-art gear, and Pete can speak to that too. But yeah, a good majority at Ranchland. Ranchland. Yeah, and it's a a huge tracking room so we did uh track it live um you know definitely you know made punches like everybody does but um but not a whole lot of overdubby stuff you know we did do one song um at a different church in dallas um it kind of came in um it was one of those songs that comes in late it's like oh wow we, i really want to cut this and um but i mean they're just they're, they're very professional and you know all those guys they you know in addition to you know, playing all the different services at their own church. They're, they're road dogs. You know, they, they play with other people too. And, you know, they, they're a great band. You know, they, they know what they're doing and, and always listening to, you know, fresh music and, and getting inspired by that. And, um, you know, I, I love it. I love it when the pedal board doesn't have, you know, eight different delays and four reverbs, you know. It's right. just simple and great parts and great tones and, and lots of space, you know. Hey music creators and producers, do you have any experience creating tracks for worship? Here at loopcommunity.com you can upload and sell the tracks you make to earn some extra cash. We have producers on our site who make a couple thousand dollars a month selling tracks that were just sitting on their hard drive. If you're new to creating your own tracks, we have many resources on our site to help you learn how to make music. To get started, click the upload button at the top of our website. You'll need to fill out a simple application, and once you're approved, you can start selling your tracks to the entire worship community. If you don't make tracks, know that the purchases you make on Loop Community are supporting a local worship leader. The community is grateful for you. Are a lot of the synth parts on this album, are they played live, or is it tracked? 
Um, because I know that now that we have all the tracks for Loop Community, so so you know churches who maybe don't have a synth player or don't have someone that can play an arpeggiator, you know they could use the track. Yeah. Well, what he does, and I'm sure it's you know what a lot of these guys are are doing now, which is why I'm so excited that we get to partner with you on this. Um, because it, I feel like you know when you're when you are able to create tracks that you know would have a, a chance of being useful in a church setting. You know, it does make you kind of want to pull up different sounds, you know, because a lot of times people just have to try to emulate. Oh, I want to try to get to sound like this or try to get to sound like that. Well, now they can actually, you know, be able to pick the sound. And I think what, what a lot of MDs will do and do with these tracks or, or what Oscar does, um, he is kicking Ableton um, live. So it's Ableton that he's got all of his sounds coming up and he's got this little mixer on top of his keyboard where he can you know, do his blends. Like his that piano, he's got the most ridiculous piano I've ever heard. It's just so pop and compressed so perfect and the right reverb on it. And um, it sounds so good live. You know, if, if he needs to bring in a pad, he, it's just a fader there on his controller. But a lot of the other things, you know, all of the, the uh, time-based things are tracks that he has just sitting there ready to launch and he'll unmute and off he goes. Um, and just prays that he catches that arpeggiator at the right time, you know? Yeah, Because right. if you don't, it's, it's a nightmare. Yeah. Right. Patrick, what would you say is your favorite song from this album? Oh, man, they're all they're all really special. I, um, Which is the most cliche response to give. But Center of Your Love, Hannah, who sang on that, I believe, and Pete, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that was her first day in a studio ever. Ever. Ridiculous. I was and, extremely and- nervous. <laughs> And I remember, I remember knowing that before she went to track the vocals, and it was, it was a moment. And I think about that. I mean, and you know, I, I can, I can visualize the studios like the lights were all off, except for a few lights. There's just a really ambient lighting, and she, it was inspired. It was an inspired vocal part. And I have a video of when she was doing one take, and Pete, you know, going back to the desk and just saying, "This is magic," and it really was. If I actually have goosebumps right now thinking about that. Me too. Like it, it was so special and that you know her, her voice on that the the truth of the song and the lyrics are are made ten thousand times more apparent because of the conviction in her vote in her voice and you just you cannot make that up right so that, that they're all really special but that that is a moment i think of often around the tracking of the record yeah that's one of my favorites too so what's next for uh reaction do you guys have another album you guys are working on or we do. There's a few in the pipeline here. This guy named Justin Rizzo that is a worship leader in Kansas City. Um, that uh, actually the band, the Upper Room Band. I was just so blown away with them that I wanted to use them on his record too. He doesn't have a band that he travels with, um, but so we went back to Cisco and recorded a record with him that I'm very excited about. Um, and there's a guy here in town actually that. Golly, 20 years ago, it's been that long, but um, we both signed our first publishing deals at the same place. And uh, and he's been, uh, he's just been one of those guys that's been so faithful for so many years. And, and he leads worship at Fellowship Bible Church. And he came over about a year ago and, and uh, showed us some songs that, again, it's like, man, um, they're so useful and, and you know, and, and fresh and great. And I was, so I was happy for him to be able to, 
to get the chance to work with him again too. Yeah, um, great voice. His name is Luke Brown, and then we've got this guy named Tim West, who who is kind of a, a producer DJ guy um, from Detroit. Very interesting. I don't, you know, a lot of the people listening to this podcast. I mean, I guess if they're our age, they'll remember bands like Toad the Wet Sprocket, but some of those kind of nine late nineties indie bands. Um, you, you know, where it's like, you know, I, I remember sitting around Paul Balash years ago and. We would just listen to records and, and listen to music that we liked, and and uh, I, I think I think there, there are worship leaders out there that are going to go, man, you know, this is it's, it's almost like a throwback, you know, from a vocal standpoint, where you know it's double stacked and I think very cool vocals, but at the same time, they're useful songs, and and I, I actually he produced it himself. I didn't put a finger on it, and it's very fresh. So we're really excited about that coming up for this new year. That's cool. I got to just say that I'm. I'm honestly very thankful that there's guys like you at the helm releasing music to the church. Cause I can just say that, I mean, just this short conversation we've had is it's a breath of fresh air, just hearing your guys' hearts and like knowing that like, it's just very obvious. I mean, it's incredibly obvious that you guys are doing this not to be making money or to be like getting famous, but it's to resource the church and to help get songs out there that people aren't hearing and, just trying to contribute like a new and fresh sound to the worship community. And I think that's really special. And honestly, it's, it's cool. It's cool to hear your guys' heart behind that. Yeah. Thanks. And it's been fun, Matt. I know I, I sent you that photo that we in the last six months have been using loop community at a, at church. I sent you that photo of Jung's setup. Oh yeah. That was cool. (laughs) Yeah. He had prime in the, I think he had a controller too. Yeah, loop yeah. So it's pretty awesome. So we, uh, you know, we've got all the original stems from the Upper Room album up on the site. So uh, community, if you're listening to this podcast, you know, make sure you check out those stems. We've got we're giving away a free track for the month, and uh, this is definitely an album you guys don't want to miss. Where uh, Patrick and Pete, like, where could people find out more information if they want to? Everything's at reactionworship.com. Cool. Everything that's that's released, all the information. Uh, it's it's all to be found there. Awesome. Reactionworship.com. Yeah, and I, and I think too, you know, it's, this is a it's a new thing uh, for us, and you know, you, when you do that, you make tons and tons of mistakes, um, and you learn from those you know mistakes as you're growing. You know, for me, you know, I want I just want to be able to communicate with that you know with that millennial worshiper. You know, I want you know I, I'm not sure what that's going to look like in the next I don't know six months, six years for sure. You know how people are are getting their music. It's almost all on the phone now. You know, but is this how they're going to be? Do we are we delivering tracks to them? How are we able to to resource them? And you know, to me, you know, I, I think working on an independent level. You know, when somebody, you know, I think that appeals to a lot of of uh, millennials that are going to church now. And I know I'm I'm talking about this, and it's a you know kind of a buzzword. It's like Bitcoin or something right now. But yeah. I feel like like today, right this minute, is an important moment in, in really in the rest of the history of the church in America because these millennial, these kids are valuable. Um, the way that they think is different than the way we thought. The, you know, the, the, the knowledge that they have, you know, because it's so much of it is so readily available, you know, we've got to learn how to communicate with them um, which I don't know that we're doing that great of a job. 
to be honest with you. You know, I, I think that, you know, some millennials are, are maybe turned off by the whole message because it doesn't mean that the message changes at all. The message is never going to change. It's just the way we communicate it. And, you know, I want to be in the thick of that from on the music standpoint. You know, I, I love it when these kids, um, you know, they come in, they're kicking sick tracks off of an iPad. You know, <laughs> they created themselves. Uh, and honestly, I mean, yeah. I'll hear things that 18-year-olds are sending me, that they're doing, no, no joke, on iPads, on iPhones, that destroy the tracks I was making when I was 18 on two-inch tape. I mean, destroy, you know? And some of them destroy the tracks I'm making now. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm doing it the next few years, kid. Yeah. <laughs> Man, that is so true. It actually is funny how much it's changing. It's funny because my I'm technically a millennial, born in '85, but I don't feel like a millennial at all. It's funny because my wife and I actually just last week were joking about this because she's she's like five years younger than me, and I'm always like, "You're a millennial." I'm like, I I always just joke about being being married to a millennial, and she's like, "Well, you're a millennial too." I'm like, "Well, I definitely somehow missed that generation gap." I think, but it is interesting that like we'll go to conferences and like try to collect email addresses or something, and like we'll have like these kids be like, "Email address? I don't even have an email address." And I'm like, well, "Wait," I'm like, "Well, what do you use?" And they're like, "Like Snapchat or Facebook." Or, or like, I don't even know how they're signing up for Facebook without an email, but apparently they don't have emails, but probably because their moms did it for them. Yeah. But like what you said too, though, about producing music, it is actually crazy how like iPads, iPhones, you can do so much with those now. And I don't know, it's pretty amazing what's, what's going on. We have like guys who are building tracks for loop community all just on their iPad. Unbelievable. Yeah. It's, it's here, you know? Yep. Yeah. And I think what you guys are doing, I mean, I think it was so smart to, jump on that you know and be at the forefront uh, of this because you know i mean a lot of the shows that i go to are are really you know a singer and two dudes that are kicking you know basically ableton live you know they're using pads and it's it is so much fun to watch i know for all the you know i, I mean I, I grew up on pearl jam I, I know all about you know what it's like to have real drums and real bass and real guitars and and, you know, I want those things to stick around forever. But the fact of the matter is, is that they're not, you know, in today's music, very rarely is there live drums. Very rarely is there guitars in, in pop music, you know, worship music. It's still kind of, you know, hanging on. But for you guys to be at the forefront of that and, you know, I, I think to me, giving somebody the opportunity to, to play a track like it is an instrument, not just be, OK, we're just going to phone it in. Now we don't have to hire a keyboard player, you know. It's like you've got keyboard players that are inspired by these tracks that are chopping them up. And, and I'll hear things from tracks that I've worked on over the last four or five years. People will send me messages. Hey, look what I do with the sound that you came up with. And it's like, wow, I'm so glad you had the opportunity to do that because that is so creative. You know, and that's what, yeah. you know, got to be keeping it fresh, you know, um, from a musical standpoint, not just, you know, coming in and phoning in the same thing you know, every Sunday morning, but, you know, just pushing. And, and you guys are a big part of that. And, and uh, we really appreciate what you do just as much. Yeah. It's cool, man. Well, it's awesome to partner with you guys and to hear more about just the heart behind your ministry and what you guys are releasing. And so thanks for joining us on this, this podcast. Thanks for having us, man. Yeah, man. Yeah. We're glad you're part of the community. This is Community Talk. Well, that was exciting and just as about as informative as I pictured it would be. I <laughs> yeah. mean, um, anytime there's anything about the music business, it's, um, 
I, I have to kind of take it with a grain of salt because I, I sort of work in the music business. So I kind of like have this expectation as a consumer, right? Right. And then I also have this expectation as being in the industry, knowing like what there is, the ins and outs, and right. kind of how these people deal with the business of music. Mm-hmm. It's very stressful. It can be uh, how people become artists and how they get on the radio and how they get their albums out and all this kind of thing. So I think a lot of people in the uh, Christian realm and in the worship realm are are creating music. They're wanting to get into this thing and they just have a lot of questions. Like, how do yeah. I get started? How do I do this? Right. And this stuff doesn't just magically appear on iTunes. Like, it takes a lot of work right. to actually, you know, get this get these songs out to you know, listeners on the radio or totally. worship leaders in churches. So a few things I, I, I kind of wrote down when I was actually like listening to this, just as, you know, points for myself to think about and and kind of research some things actually, because this is very interesting for me. Uh, so they, um, they run this label called Reaction Worship, right? And these guys just seem so down to earth. I mean, they, especially since the names, right? We mentioned a little bit earlier and they talked about it. Phil Wickham, Bart Millard, I think if I said his name right. <laughs> I'm from the South, so I say Millard, Bart Millard. Yeah. Uh, but, um, you know, some pretty big names and some songs that are huge. So to be in that sphere, to be in that atmosphere of like, this is what we've done, and to kind of say, we're still grounded. Yeah, right. Right? Uh, that's That speaks volumes to me because, it, you know, once you, everybody looks to you to write the next big thing when you've written a song like I Can Only Imagine. Right. <laughs> Uh, I mean, like, it, it's pretty big stuff. And so I think it's really cool that they kind of, quote unquote, are for the little guy. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're, I think their heart is in the right place. And I just feel like so many people in the music business can be led astray by the glitz and the glamour and they don't. That, right. where, where's the passion? You know, like where music is not, like music is its own language, right? And so I think that music, uh, one of the interesting points to me that I, wrote down was like this whole thing with Phil Wickham. You know, they were talking about, you know, I, I wouldn't take a chance on him because he, his voice isn't like geared for radio. And it's just like, what? Mm-hmm. You know, like, then you look at who he is now. Right. And it's like, how would you not ever do anything with Phil Wickham? Right. I mean, he's an amazing songwriter. I've met him in person, a very grounded guy and just loves the Lord and loves what he does. Yeah. Right. Like he doesn't, uh, it's, 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 he's not so far away that you can't reach out and touch him. Right. And I think that they saw that and they took a chance and said, look, we want to, uh, we don't care about what sounds good on the radio. We just want his heart. So, mm-hmm. um, that's kind of cool. What was your thought? of? Yeah. When these guys are investing in the local church, I think you're right that they're not like grasping just for like, you know, the, the glitz and the glam, the only working with like the huge artists, but they're like, Hey, let's be like investing in the local church in the little guy and help them out and, and get these songs out, out to the churches all around the world. And I think that's so awesome. Right. It's not like music isn't about the industry. It really is not like when I, I'm a musician, I'm not like a major artist, you know, I've done a single and put it on iTunes and stuff, but I'm not like, I don't consider myself like Hillsong. Right. But I also understand like the pressure that you get put when you, when you have like a number one hit or something and then you quickly are like, now you're on tour. Now you're on radio, you're doing interviews and this and that. But I think that it's not a cookie cutter thing, like right? Like music is so outside the realm of industry and business. And that's why I love that they think about like, well, the church in Idaho, you know, trying right. to like do their thing or whatever. They, you know, 
we're not looking for the next Bethel or Hillsong. We're looking to see what God is doing through these people, right? Like they're writing music that's put on their heart, and the passion is to share that moment or share that message with someone, right? To get them from A to B, to introduce them to the Lord, to help them through whatever. And so I think that that whole aspect of what worship is goes beyond music. It goes to like the character and the heart of a person. Definitely. And that's what I think these guys are after. Definitely. Right? Yep. Yeah. So uh, I think that there are a lot of churches out there that have incredible musicians. They talked about this a little bit. Like when you were were talking to them about, you know, these volunteers, right? Like that are all in these churches. These people can play. I can remember uh, leading uh, at a church here recently, probably within the past year. And there was this guy like 60 years old shirt and tie and slacks and had his guitar slung over. And I had these like preconceived notions as to my expectations of what this was going to be like, you know, (laughs) entered in the church, get to the rehearsal. And he played every guitar part flawlessly. It sounded (laughs) like it was from the album. Right. And we were playing like mainstream Bethel stuff, Hillsong stuff. He didn't like elaborate too much or he didn't push a solo or he didn't like and it it just goes to show you like the vision that you have or like the viewpoint you have by looking on the outside of a person like you you'd have no idea how talented a person is in your church and how they can be used right and um i think what's what we're seeing and what they kind of talked about a little more is like these smaller churches you don't have to be part of a major label to like be able to do something musically with your church like an album we're all in the same playing field yeah his words yeah um and that's what loop community even is even about. That's why I feel so like kindred with these guys is because, you know, loop community is about like the every man, right? Like Joe worship leader. Yeah. Yeah. Like there are people in your church who are extremely talented. Yeah. There are people listening to this podcast who are extremely talented and maybe you don't have a national platform, right? Maybe you're not like this massive, like famous band, but you are, you have gifts that God's given you that, you know, need to be used and, and called out and encouraged. Totally. And that's what Loop Community is about, you know? Yeah. Not this pressure to, like, be, you know, someone else, but just be who you are. Right. And there's not, and it's not to, to say anything down about the, the music industry. There are some right. great people, great artists, but those people started somewhere. Exactly. Right? And so we can't uh, undermine and underutilize the people that are, that are, like, the bread and butter of what is right. happening in the church. Yep. Like God is using these people. They are just as creative and they're like diamonds in the rough. You got to, it's almost like finding needles in the haystack, right? We're having to dig through uh, and, and find these people who can bring something to the table that are either they've been hurt in the past or they feel like they never got a shot or they're yep. too afraid. Yeah. We can't overlook those. People. Right. Yeah, totally. And I, I think that um, I, I'm, I'm glad that there are companies out there and people out there that will give these people a chance uh, to an outlet for them to kind of come in and create something and feel that they can contribute. Right. right. So um, I love that fact about like even being a producer for loop community. Uh, if, if that's something that's of interest to you or you don't know what that is, we have hundreds of producers all over the world. Right. Who, and all who, different age ranges. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and all different styles of their take of a song. Right. Yep. Like, and they put their own flavor on their thing and they upload it in churches purchase and use those tracks from someone over in South Africa or right. India or wherever, you know? And it's like, that's amazing to me. Yeah. Right. And it gives them an opportunity to utilize the gifts they've been given. Uh, I guess just overall, like my final thoughts are kind of just like, um, try to don't, you know, get yourself so kind of in the business of it all that you drowned out 
like what God is doing and what God is giving and expressing through people, mm. right? And I think that's what uh, Pete and Patrick here are trying to to do with the artists that they signed to their label and that the opportunities that they want to work with certain people and give people chances and you know um, they have a respect for the industry but they have a passion for people. Yeah. And that's what I think is like, that kind of needs to be forefront. You know, people are different. There are endless lists of songs that need to be written still, uh, and, and heard. Uh, and isn't that amazing? Yeah. Just to think that there's, (laughs) I know like what's going to be the next, right. This is amazing grace or whatever, you know? So, and, and it can come from anywhere, anywhere. I remember, uh, you know, just little things like, um, what's the group? I think his name is Pat. They do the house fire. Good, good father. Yeah, house fires. Yeah, good, good father exploded. Like, where did that come from? You know, right. and so I think these people just have a movement of something that the Lord gives them, and and at any moment yep. they can be ready to contribute to have that spread across globally to help people focus on God. Yeah. So kudos to Pete and Patrick for what they do, their hearts, uh, and to not take advantage of anything, but they use their experience to help people get from where they are right. to where they need to be, and that's huge. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's important to, I, I like what you said there about just remembering like what this is about, what the heart is behind this. Because um, I think, you know, worship leaders listening to this, like, it can translate into so many different ways because maybe people listening, you know, aren't in the music industry, but maybe you're on staff at a church and you're trying to build, you know, the social media following for your church worship team or your church or you're building the website for your church or maybe you're right. recording your own music and you're trying to promote it. You know, that, those are all like good things because you're wanting to spread the word and let what you're doing be known. <laughs> yeah. But we have to remember, like, why are we doing what we're doing? Yep. You know, that this is for Should God. and Always be asking yourself that question. Yeah. We cannot forget that. And totally. um, the other stuff can easily just kind of end up dominating. But then you just end up with an empty shell. <laughs> right. Of like, wait, what are we doing? And why? And so... Well, that is awesome. I hope you guys uh, have just enjoyed like our conversation, the conversation we had with Pete and Patrick, and um, just look forward to some awesome episodes we have coming up and some great guests that we're going to have. Uh, until next time, we'll see you later. See you later. Thanks for listening to the Loop Community Podcast. If you've enjoyed our podcast and been listening to it for a while, we'd really appreciate it if you left us a review. Oh, and don't forget to subscribe.